Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I'm excited. I'm, I'm so grateful that you're here today. Uh, again, I was at a conference this week in Las Vegas. It was a church conference and uh, had, a, had an amazing time. It just, I, I don't know, there's something about getting around to other pastors and believers, seeing what God's doing in the nation. But I just came home so encouraged, so fired up, and uh, excited for today. Uh, God gave me this message I wanted to share with you. He actually announced that I was going to be speaking on it last Sunday when I was speaking. I was like, next week I'm talking about extravagant worship. I'm like, I am, Lord. But I'm like, all right, at least I know where I'm going next week. So uh, study this out this week. And I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to open our Bibles. We believe that God speaks in many ways, but his most predominant way of speaking is through his word. People say, God is, I've never heard God speak. Some of you never read God's Bible. And God will speak. You need a word from God, open up the Bible, begin to read it. And God speaks through his word. And um, I want to encourage you today to turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. We've been in a series about worship, why we worship, why it's so significant. I would say in the crazy world we're living in, that people are calling evil good and good evil. And darkness seems to be on the prevailing side of things. To, number one, don't be scared because I'm telling you that our, our worship has power says that God, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. I believe what causes God to arise in a land is a church that knows how to pray and a church that knows how to worship. There's something, he says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, if they would pray, if they would, come on, go after God, seek my face, worship me, I would hear from heaven, I would heal their land. Do you know that God has never needed the world to turn to him for, for the society to be healed? He's just needed the church. God gave me this revelation. This is what encouraged me moving to California from Idaho because everybody in Idaho says that you guys are crazy. Can I tell you the truth? Why are you going to California? Those people are crazy. No, no, no. It's good job security if you're a pastor. Come on. That's what I told him. I said, no, no, no. Listen to me. Uh, God has never needed Babylon to become godly to reach Babylon. He's just needed his sons and daughters to be on fire. Do you know, this is the indictment of Sodom and Gomorrah. That city was not judged in the Old Testament because of the wicked people there. It was the lack of the righteous. Abraham talked to, talked to God. He said, if there's just 10 righteous people, would you save the entire city? And God agreed. Yeah, if there was just enough people that were on fire, I would give mercy to the masses. So here's my conviction. I don't think that God needs the whole state to come on fire right away. He just needs us that come to church on Sundays to catch fire. And if God would light us up, God will light the whole state up. Can I get a good amen up in the room? Appreciate the 30% hand clap. I'm coming for you today. We're going to go after this. Preach to my underwear sweat today. You better, don't tempt me. All right, you got your Bibles? Matthew 26. Uh, I'm going to talk to you today a little bit. Change this up from first service. Uh, but Matthew 26 is where we're going to turn. We're reading a familiar passage, uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit today about wasteful worship. Wasteful worship. That sounds like a little bit of a kind of a blasphemous type of phrase. I'll explain what I'm talking about. Wasteful. Say it with me, wasteful. I, t- I joked last service that if I was a youth pastor, I would have titled this message wasted. But uh, I'll explain what that means here in a little bit. But I'm not a youth pastor anymore. You can't say that stuff. Matthew 26. Are you ready? This is, uh, I, incidentally, w- the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He'd been ministering for three and a half years. We're in the final hours, really final days of Jesus' life. He does some of his greatest miracles in the last week of his life, last two weeks of his life. And Lazarus coming back from the dead was certainly one of those miracles. And uh, Lazarus had two sisters, Martha, Martha, Martha. Mary, Mary, Mary. All right. <laughs> I thought, well, it was funnier in my head, I guess. Um, but uh, many people, they get mixed up. They, they get mixed up with Mary Magdalene. They get mixed up with the Mary uh, that was in Luke 7 that brought up, she was like kind of a, she had like a pretty gnarly past. And they get mixed up with Mary, the sister of, of uh, Lazarus and Martha. They get mixed up with Mary, Jesus' mom. It's kind of like, you know, Joseph. They're like, whoa, Joseph was the stepdad of Jesus or earthly dad of Jesus. I thought he was in the pit with the palace. And I thought Joseph, like, we get mixed up sometimes. But I want you to know this, this Mary is the Mary of Martha uh, and, the, and the sister of Lazarus that came back from the dead. Are you ready? So uh, this is an amazing woman. I think in many ways one of the greatest worshipers in the Bible was Mary. 
I'll prove it to you today, but Matthew 26, we're going to read about, uh, about eight verses, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the value of Jesus. Is that all right? Wasteful, wasteful worship. We'll, we'll get into this. Uh, value Jesus. So uh, right here, chapter 26, verse 6, you ready to go? If it gets good today, you can say amen. You can clap your hands. You can make a joyful noise. All right. Here we go. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, we know that he was no longer a leper. Just so you know, uh, this guy was probably healed by Jesus. The law would require you not to go to a house of a leper. So this guy was no longer a leper. And lepers did not get well in those days unless it was a miracle. They didn't have medicine for lepers. Okay, so the guy hosting this uh, house is a former leper that got healed by Jesus. Just to give you context. And uh, a woman came... To, to him having an alabaster flask of very expensive, costly, fragrant oil. She poured it on his head, and she sat at the table. And when his disciples saw it, they were indignant. The disciples, not just one, but there were many, plural, disciples, saw it, and they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? Why this waste? That's where I got my title today, waste. Why this waste? Why this um. Whenever pastors get quiet, that's usually your responsibility. Why this? Okay, thanks for staying with me here today. Why this waste, uh, they say. And uh, it goes on. It says, uh, why this? Where are we at? Why this waste? So for, for this fragrant oil might have been sold for a lot of money given to poor people. Jesus was aware of it. He said to them, why do you trouble this woman? She's done a good work for me. You know the poor you'll have you always? Me, you will not always have like this. For in pouring out this fragrant oil for my body, she did this for my burial. How many know that he wasn't buried yet? Talk about it. But this is a, Mary is so significant because she actually does something in faith. She anointed him for burial before he was dead. So she, she does a good thing, Jesus says. Surely, he says, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached, in the whole world. Where? That's a pretty vast area. In the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Actually, let's read a couple more verses. Then one of the twelve, called Judas, went to the chief priest. When did he go? He went then. When was then? Right after an extravagant worship moment. It was after extravagant worship that Judas was triggered by the devil to go to the chief priest. And watch what he says. What are you willing to give me? talked about this before but one of the scariest places to be in your walk with God is give me I'll talk about that later if I deliver him to you what would you give me and they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver 30 pieces of silver very significant go be to John chapter 12 John chapter 12 read a little bit more than usual it says this six days before the Passover Jesus came this is the same story but this is John's account of it okay Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom Jesus raised from the dead, and they brought him a good dinner, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those that sat at the table. Then Mary, then who? Mary, Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, and she actually anointed the feet of Jesus, and she wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. And the house was filled. I love this. The house was with the fragrance of that oil. One of the disciples, Judas, he said, he, who would betray him. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Love John. He goes, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor. He said this because he was a thief. And he had the money box. He used to take it, what was put in it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She's kept this day for my burial. For the poor you have always with you, but you do not always have me with you. Jesus wasn't saying that we shouldn't give to the poor. He's saying you shouldn't miss your moments to worship. ready to go wasteful wasteful worship father we love you today i just thank you that you would meet us here in a significant way i pray whether we've been in church our whole life uh, we've heard this message taught a hundred times or maybe this is our very first time ever in an environment that we can encounter you i pray today that you would meet us here i pray that we'd all leave with a new understanding a greater revelation of the value of god and we understand the value of god i thank you that it'll affect the way that we live It'll affect the way that we worship. I thank you today that we're all worshipers. Some only worship the NFL. Some only worship the stock market. But those of us that are living a satisfied life, we're those that worship God. Meet us here today. Show us how awesome you are. Do what only you could do. Let this be a day of miracles and the kingdom getting larger. In Jesus' name we ask and we pray. And God's people, they shouted a good amen. 
Amen. That was kind of weak, amen. One more time, I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself. Amen? Yeah. I, uh, I don't like to say this. I, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm not proud of this. But there's been moments in my life that I have flown um, Allegiant Airlines. Okay? I just want to get this out there. I've had some low moments in my um, frequent flyer days. I have flown uh, a myriad of airlines. Uh, many of you know that before I was a lead pastor, I traveled as a youth pastor and an evangelist. I traveled all over the world. I've preached in Australia 16 times. I've been to Singapore half a dozen times. Been all over, all over uh, the world. And so I flew a lot. I was a Delta Airlines frequent flyer because I'm a Christian. And um, just kidding. That was probably my favorite airlines that was big. Uh, and I, I occasionally I'd fly Southwest, which we know is the Greyhound bus of the sky. And uh, I'm grateful for the free carry-on bag, free check bag. Come on, somebody. Uh, this week, though, I just had this kind of panic moment because Joel's like, hey, Pastor Mark, he's like, we're flying. A few of us staff are going to fly there. Looking at plane tickets, he's like, look, Delta's this much. He's like, uh, Divided Airlines, or I mean um, United Airlines, is uh, this much. Just got to get some of this rage out of me. Is that all right? All those flights that I've missed. Um, uh, they're this much. He's like, you know, Virgin Airlines is this much. He kind of goes down the roster. And he's like, you know what? But I found this really cheap flight. It's called Spirit Airlines. I was like, Lord, I need the spirit. If I'm rolling the dice and that yellow, that yellow air taxi. Um, so he's like, it's cheap. I'm like, well, that's what you think. You think it's cheap. The problem is, is they get you on the plane and they start charging you for everything. You want a drink? Five bucks. You want to bring a, a, a wallet? Ten bucks. Yeah. Bathroom? Twenty-five cents. <laughs> like, I saw like, like a coin machine for the toilet paper rolls. Are you following me? It was like, what is going on in here? It's like, extra air? Yeah, that's thirty cents. They're, just, they're, they're nickel and diamond you everywhere you can. I'm just spending twice as much money as Delta. Just, just getting hustled by uh, Spirit Airlines. Actually, it wasn't that bad of an experience. Just, it's for my sermon. Come on, stay with me. Actually, it was a good experience. But I, I flew Spirit. I've never flown Spirit Airlines before. I flew to Vegas. And I was thinking about this, though. Oftentimes, you get what you... Who's ever heard that phrase? You get what you... You do. It's like sometimes designer things are more expensive than off-name brand things. I've shared the story many times that when my professor in college, he said, you as a single should pray about the type of person you want to marry. And I'm like, all right. Went into the bathroom after the service, or after he taught that lesson, and I thought, who do I want to, what kind of woman do I want to marry? He said, be specific. If you're attracted to people with blonde hair, pray for a blonde, blue eyes, whatever it is, athletic, whatever it is. So I remember going in, I'm like, man, what would I pray for? And I literally was looking in the mirrors, I was washing my hands, I'm like, man, I would like to marry someone like Rochelle. Did not have enough faith for Rochelle, so I used the word like. You ever have a moment where you're like, I can't afford, come on, the, the name brand designer, but I'll take Steve Madden. Come on, somebody. Got it at Ross. Shop for less. Come on. I was like, man, this is, this. look, I can't, I'm out of this. She's out of my league. She's still out of my league. Come on, somebody. But I remember in the moment, I'm like, I don't have faith for her, but I'd love to get something like her. I had this revelation early on as a young man. My first car was a Volkswagen Golf. And I remember our one-year anniversary, a business guy said, Mark, you should take your wife on a fun trip. Here's the keys to my Corvette. Take her somewhere fun. I'm like, oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> Love fast cars. So I got this Corvette, and right away I realized, like, this car looks way better than my car. This car was built way better than my car. This car is way funner to drive than my car. Not my hating on the Golf. I'm just saying that Corvette was superior. And I thought about this, designers are really, that's what separates the generic from the designers. Usually, designers cost more, a designer or anything costs more, because normally designer stuff is made out of a superior material. Usually it fits better. Usually it lasts longer. And usually you're willing to pay more for it because the value you have for that particular desire. And I want you to know that the kingdom of God, there are some things that you get what you pay for. Some people, they don't, they don't ever, they don't ever uh, spend a lot on worship because they've never had a revelation of the value of the designer. Some people, they think people that worship God are weird because they've never had a revelation of the designer. They think you're crazy because you go to church more than once a year. They think you're wild because you actually give money to your local church. They think you're stupid because you would send your kids to church camp over sports camps. They're like, you are wasteful. 
I'm like, no, I'm not wasteful. I'm just misunderstood. Because oftentimes in the Bible, we find that people that have a great revelation of God will always be great worshipers. Great worship is always connected to people that have a revelation of God's value. I would actually argue and say that people that don't worship have never had a good revelation of the value of God. How do you know? Because people like Solomon that actually had the greatest wisdom out of any human that ever lived, before God asked him a big request, what do you want? I'll give it to you. The only man that ever had God come to him like a genie was Solomon. Do you know why God did that? Most people don't know why. It was because the day before, on his inauguration day, most kings would do one burnt offering sacrifice. Solomon did an extravagant. Say with me, extravagant. He didn't give one burnt offering. He did a thousand. I want you to know that God shows up extravagant for those that worship extravagantly. It's extravagant worshipers that actually know God extravagantly. Jesus said, if you've been forgiven much, you will love much. You've been forgiven little, you'll love little. In some ways, you can tell the passion of someone's heart by the revelation they have of how good God's been to them. Some of you think that you deserve what you have. Some of you think that you're worthy by yourself without God to live an amazing life. And I'm telling you, your ego and your pride is ripping you off from a revelation of worship. Revelation is found in the value of God. Webster's defines extravagant as wasteful. Did you know that? Wasteful is this idea that they're almost interchangeable, that extravagant and wasteful can actually be interchangeable. Wasteful means extravagant. Extravagant means wasteful, which means this, exceeding the limits of reason. That's wasteful, Mary. You're pouring out a perfume that's worth, listen to me, not a day's wage. Do you know that in Bible days that the average wage was a denarii for one day? And John 12 says that it was actually 300 denarii. So that would say that it's 300 days of work. That is a year's salary. Probably a family heirloom. We know this, that once a jar of perfume was broken open, the freshness would go quickly. We know this, that in, in the ancient world, that, that many times the practice was, if a dignitary or someone famous or well-known or established ate at your house, the glass that they drank from, they would break after they left. Because the idea was, no one again will ever be as worthy to drink out of that as the person we hosted. Mary had a mentality that she goes, you know what, I can't just, you because the custom was, a couple drops on your guest as they came in. She didn't give a couple drops. She broke it and she poured it. She poured it on his head and on his feet. She wiped it with her hair. You know what's crazy? This, this woman was an extravagant worshiper. Her worship was so wild. It was so, it was so extravagant that even disciples labeled her wasteful. Imagine if Christians label you wasteful. Imagine what the world would say about you. I love it, man. I love that we go to a church that's literally, we're wild with worship. I've never been to a church that's shouting, talking, clapping, saying amen. This place is wasteful. No, 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 no. We're worshipful. And one of the chief characteristics of churches and disciples that are on fire is don't misunderstand your worship with being wasteful. That's a little over the top, a little much, isn't it? Why don't we just, why don't you dial it back a little bit, preach? Why don't you settle down a little bit? Why don't you just do what other churches do? Why don't you do it the way that everybody else, you shouldn't tell jokes. You shouldn't be yourself. You shouldn't stand in there and do your own thing the way that God wired you to do it. You should wear Saul's armor. You should do it their way. I've learned, man, that people will mistake true, authentic worship. Oftentimes it's waste. It's exceeding the uh, limits of reason. It's lacking in moderation and balance and restraint. It's crazy. Extreme and excessive or elaborate could be defined as wasteful. And I want you to know that we're going to be an overly generous church with our praise. We're going to be an overly generous church with the way that we adore our God. Can I get a witness up in here? Truth is, most people never, never worship God extravagantly because they've never had a deep knowledge of God. I actually, I'm, I'm convinced of this, that your, uh, your value of Jesus will determine the quality of your worship. Your value, listen, some of you will pay more for Delta Airlines because you value your experience. Are you hearing me? Some of you will pay more for a Tesla than you do another electric car because you value, are you hearing me today? Your value of something will determine what you're willing to give for it.
And many people give very little to God in the body of Christ because they don't value his presence. So here's the question. Why was Mary so willing to be so wasteful? I think that she realized the value of Jesus is found at the feet of Jesus. Mary's value, you know that throughout her life she was misunderstood? Three times we see her in the Bible. We see her in Luke chapter 10. We see her in John 11 and John 12. Every time we see this woman, Mary, she's being misunderstood. In Luke 10, we see her actually uh, sitting at the feet of Jesus, which was a no-no. Because women, you can't sit at the feet of a rabbi. Because to sit at the feet of the rabbi means that you can learn what he knows and you could be like he is. She's not sitting there just to learn. She's sitting there to teach. And so Martha's furious. She goes, no, women in our society, they don't learn like men learn. They can't lead like men lead. She needs to get in the kitchen. She needs to know her role. And Jesus goes, no, Martha, you're off. She's on. She's misunderstood, but she sees my value at my feet. Worship is when you discover the value of God and the value. Listen, Mary, extravagant worshiper, all three times we see her, she's at his. I would say most of you that don't know how to worship, you've never sat at his feet. You've never seen the value of God because you've never humbled yourself at his feet. You think that Jesus works for you. No, 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 no. He's not, listen, he's not your employee. You just bless me. You give me a good life. You do what I want. I'll believe what I agree with with your book. Listen to me. That's a God made in your image. And you don't worship him extravagantly because you think you're pierced. Listen to me. That's one of the flaws of the Latter-day Saint theology is they think that Jesus and Lucifer were pierced. Siblings? No, 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 no. The Bible says all things were made through Christ. And through Christ, all things were made that were made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Ladies and gentlemen, Lucifer and Jesus are not siblings. We are not peers with God. We are children of God, but we are not. Are you hearing me today? It is at the feet of Jesus that we discover the value of God. And where God is valued, God there will be worshipped. Mary's at the feet. Because at the feet of Jesus, she learned the word of Jesus, which will bless your life. You know why some of you, you're like, Mark, I have everything. I should be blessed, but I'm empty. It's because living your life in accordance to God's words is what blesses. Say with me, it's at the feet that I'm blessed. So in Luke 10, she's at the feet of Jesus and she's blessed. And it's in John 11 that her brother dies. She's in the worst season of her life. And when Jesus shows up, she leaves the, the, basically the morning of her living room. She rushes out to where Jesus is. And in her morning, she falls at Herod's And it's at the feet, not just with the blessing of learning wisdom, but it's at the feet of Jesus that she brings her burden. I think extravagant worshipers, they don't just understand the blessing of God. They understand the value of God to take our burdens. Do you know there are things that are too heavy for you and I to carry? Do you know if you're really going to live for God, it's 80 years, 90 years, he's going to ask you to do things that are beyond your intellect. He's going to ask you to do things that are beyond your strength. By the way, if you could get everything in life that you want from God, without God, it's probably not God. God never assigns missions that we can carry out without him. We need God's strength to carry out God. Are you hearing me today? So she shows us value of Jesus in learning the wisdom of God, blessing. But also she shows us the, the value of Jesus at his feet by bringing the burdens of humanity, the sting of death, tragedy. Job worshiped not just when things were good, when he lost everything. He fell down and he worshiped. I'm telling you right now that extravagant worshipers see the value of God in what we do with our burdens. I would say high blood pressure, some of the things we experience, stress, anxiety, fear, is we're actually trying to white knuckle bootstrap things that are burdens to us, but God can handle them. That's weak. That's weak to raise your hands and sing songs and pray to a God you can't see. You say that's weak, but why am I living so strong? I'm living strong because I'm not carrying weights that you're carrying. It says to cast your cares on him. For he cares for 
You're calling me weak, but you're the one getting drunk every day, high every day, drinking that glass of wine to take the edge off because you're just so overwhelmed. I'm weak. I'm strong because I cast my burdens on him. You're carrying your burdens and you're medicating yourself. Talk to me, Orange County. Talk to me. Where are the extravagant worshipers that say, I'll sit at his feet and I'll learn his teaching? I'll, I'll fall at his feet and I'll give him my burdens. And how about this? I, I understand that he is so ridiculously amazing that my greatest need, my greatest request was, Lord, do something for my brother Lazarus. And she experiences a resurrected miracle opportunity. Here's what I've learned. People that have seen the power and the miracles of God, when they actually choose to worship, they will always be willing to give God their best. See, she didn't just give him the feet, she just fall at the feet for the blessing. She didn't just fall at his feet for her burdens. She was willing at the end of her life, the last time we see her in the Bible, in John chapter 12, to fall at his feet and actually empty out a family heirloom. Listen to me, this is not knock off perfume. This is people like, well, you designer, what's in the Bible? It's like, dude, she gave like the most expensive perfume I have ever heard of. Now, I know some expensive perfumes. I've never heard of perfume that costs you a year's salary. That perfume right there, 50000 You keep it. I don't care about it. You keep it. $100,000 perfume, that's, look, that's not for me. I don't care what it smells like. She was willing to give her very best. Where's the value of God discovered? It's discovered at the feet of God. And extravagant worship, when it's discovered, when you discover the value of God, you'll give you, are you hearing me today, the best. So this is wild. She, uh, the story of Matthew 26 is, the, is, the, is really, scholars, I read one commentary, it was so brilliant. The scholars said, basically, Matthew 26 is about the value we put on Jesus. How do you know? Because there's a woman named Mary that valued Jesus at, her, at the highest, and she lavished her best. There was disciples that loved God, but they believed that he deserved less devotion. And that there was one disciple that saw the miracles, that walked with him for three and a half years, that saw Jesus raise the dead, saw Jesus calm the storms, saw Jesus feed 15,000 with a couple loaves and a couple fish. And that, 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 that guy, he actually was entered by darkness the moment he was in an atmosphere of extravagant worship. You see, I found this, that extravagant worship will cause demons to be triggered. It wasn't until Mary gave her most extravagant, wasteful worship that Judas was so indignant that he goes, I'm going to betray Jesus. We don't know. We, we, we don't know for sure, but scholars say that Judas was upset because he was hoping that Jesus was going to restore power to, to the Israelites, that he was going to overthrow Rome, that his goal was a nationalism of Jesus to basically take over Israel, right? And that because he wasn't going to do it, and he kept threatening to go to the cross, and he was going to be betrayed in the hands of sinners, and on the third day he was going to be crucified in their eyes, that his last-ditch effort was, well, if he's not going to do it the easy way, I'm going to force him to do it the hard way. I'm going to have him arrested. And listen to me. You know why Judas did it? Because of the way he valued Jesus. Do you know what his value was? We know it. The value that Judas placed on Jesus was 30 pieces of silver. Do you know what? Guess, guess what? In Exodus 21, verse 32, there's a verse in there in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, in the world of antiquity. They said if a slave was killed by someone else accidentally, the compensation you would give for that slave, guess how many pieces of silver it was? Do you know what Judas' value of Jesus was? That of a dead slave. I'm telling you that Matthew 26 is a powerful chapter that describes how does humanity value Jesus. But I'm telling you, extravagant worshipers, they don't see Jesus as something that's replaceable. They don't see Jesus as something that's moderately important. They see Jesus as something that is more valuable than anything they have. Good spot for an amen right there. Powerful thought, extravagant, extravagant. People go, Mark, well, why would, why would people be so extravagant? Well, we know that David didn't just give God some of his worship. He gave him his extravagant worship. It says in 2 Samuel 6, 14, that he danced before the Lord with all of his might. Lost his dignity in front of his wife. His wife literally said, you embarrass me today because of the way you are wasteful with your worship. 
I'm telling you that David knew God at a level that his wife did not. That your value of God is determined by your revelation of God. And when you value him highly, you will give him everything. Most people give God littles because they only have a small picture of God. I'm telling you, by the way you pray, it's, it reveals the size of the God you see. By the way you worship, it reveals the size of the God that saved you. I'm passionate because I know what I would be without the grace of God. I know where I would be without the grace of God. I know, then, that my life would not have much meaning at all had it not been for the Lord who was on my side. Extravagant worship comes out of a revelation of the value of God in your life. Solomon was wasteful with his sacrifice. A thousand burnt offerings when everybody else was giving one. Jesus was extravagant with the catch that he allowed his disciples to pick up in the nets. Notice that Peter was used in an extravagant way, and my argument would be that he built his life on Peter, built the church on Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, Peter. The, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, because Peter didn't choose to follow Jesus when his nets were empty. He left full nets. He left the greatest day of fishing in his life to follow the call of God. And I'm telling you that when men and women are willing to give God their best, at their best, that's when God shows up with best. Most of us have a mediocre level of worship because that's all we've ever given God is mediocre. But when you say, God, I'll give you my first. I'll give you my best. I'll trust you with my best. I'll trust you with my burdens. I'll trust you with my blessings. When you become an extravagant worshiper like Mary, you know what you do? Is number one, we know it here. Extravagant worshipers, wasteful worshipers, they touch the heart of Jesus. They touch his heart. He stopped the Christians that were criticizing her, saying, don't do that. She did a good thing for me. She touched my heart. She touched my heart. She did something in faith. And that's what I think extravagant. This is what Ocean's Church is going to be. We're going to be a church that sings like people got healed from cancer before they get healed. We're going to sing like people with blind eyes got their sight back in our service before they get their sight back. We're going to sing like cocaine and heroin addicts are getting liberated in our atmosphere before it happens. She anointed him with her best for burial before he was dead that's a faith offering extravagant worship is not waiting until god does a miracle to say i'm celebrating faith extravagant worship is giving god everything as though it already happened and therein lies the problem with the academic world, the intellectual world of America, that we're so highly educated and we hide behind our posh degrees and our mega mansions and we're so successful that like, man, where would I need to worship God if I've done all this by myself? I don't worship based upon what I've seen. I got to give him my best before I even see it. He says, she touched my heart. She prepared me for my greatest sacrifice. And he says this story of her, it's going everywhere. You know what I've learned about extravagant worship? This is going to be Ocean's Church. We're going to be willing to actually bring joy to the heart of Jesus because we discovered his value at his feet. We discovered the value of Jesus at his feet. He blessed me with his word. He carried my heavy burdens. And he actually was worthy of my very best. My brother Lazarus was dead. Now we're eating. Now we're celebrating at Simon, who, by the way, he used to be a leper. So my best friend that became a leper got healed, and my brother that was dead came back to life. We're not giving him leftovers. We're not giving him some casual, comfortable offering. I will find my prized possession. I'll take my favorite piece of jewelry. I'll sell my favorite car like Barnabas. I'll sell land that I own that was going to be used for me, and I'm going to sell it and give the proceeds to the church. I will give my best. Because when you see what God did to pull you out of darkness, rescue your family out of darkness, give you a life that you don't deserve with people you don't deserve to live it with. You don't give God these like, well, here's 20 bucks, God. Keep the change. Don't spend it all in one place. I'll tell you right now, I don't think it's coincidence that the story in the Bible about extravagant worship was connected to monetary values. 
I know people get mad about it. Well, well, well worship's just your heart. I, it is just your heart. I, I think it is. But the Bible says where your, where your treasure is. It doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be there. It says where you put your treasure. That's where your heart goes. She was willing to take her treasure, a year's salary. Can you imagine liquidating all of your vacation pay for the year? All of it. And going, God, this new building, whatever it is, whatever God puts on your heart, this orphanage, I'm going to take what I was going to spend on myself, and I'm going to give it to you. I don't think it's coincidental that she was willing to use something that was monetary value, and that was a symbolic act to Jesus of her giving her her best. And here's the funny thing about spiritual religious people that actually are robbing God. God, I, I won't go too strong on it because I, I could scare some people. I'm not trying to scare you. But you know what the Bible calls people that don't tithe? Thieves. Do you know what John calls Judas? Thief. You know what he did? He stole money that belonged to God. Guess who had a problem with her extravagance worship? The one that didn't tithe. In my experience, people that leave churches about financial reasons are usually non-tithers. It's the thieves that get offended about money. I won't go hard on this back. I can really go hard on it. I can slam dunk the ball on the devil today. But I'm just going to be, I'm going to be gracious right now. Self-control. But in my experience, in 20 years of the church, people that leave churches over financial issues are usually the ones that never surrender to Jesus as Lord with their money. They just tip here and there. I saw like Shaq. Remember when he dunked on that guy? He fell on the ground and he pushed him. I want to do that right now, but I'm just going to hold back. Say with me. Say with me. Change the smell of your house. You know what I love about extravagant worshipers? There were 17 people in that house at least. Simon, the guy that got healed of leprosy. There was Jesus. There was Martha, Mary, and Lazarus who came back from the dead. And then there was 12 disciples and there was Jesus. There were 17. Guess how many were extravagant? Okay. One was extravagant. Guess how many smelled the fragrance of extravagant worship? 17. Here's my conviction. The world can smell when a church is extravagant. And I really felt like the Lord told me prophetically that this church, we're going to be so extravagant with worship, not because we're good, but because we know the value of Jesus, because we've been at his feet. And if we'll show the world extravagant worship, guess what? Everyone we come in contact with, Uber driver, is going to smell like what we're smoking. That's extravagant worship. Man, you're giving God your burdens. You're giving God your blessings. You're giving God your best. That's extravagant. Do you know what happens when we're extravagant with Jesus? I'll tell you what happens, ladies and gentlemen. We will give God something that actually touches his heart. He'll say, this is a good deed. And actually what it'll do, it'll cause everyone in this, in, in, in this vicinity of our house to smell the aroma of extravagant worship. John says the whole house smelt like her extravagant worship. Love it. <laughs> it's wasteful. But it, it caused the whole house to smell good. And you know what happened last? It says that her story would bless the world. I'm just, I'm just dissecting this, how God told me. He said, Mark, extravagant churches that worship well, they touch my heart, they fill their cities with a new smell, and what they do in their cities will, will go around the world. That's exactly what we're going to do here at Ocean's Church. We're going to touch God's heart. If you believe it, come on, put your hands together. We're going we're gonna to change the smell of Orange County, and we're going to bless the world from this zip code. Can I get a good amen? Well, that's wasteful, Mark. It's wasteful. Shouldn't build building. That's wasteful. Shouldn't hire staff. That's wasteful. Shouldn't, shouldn't go to church more than one day a week. That's wasteful. Shouldn't pray on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's wasteful. Shouldn't do summer camps. That's wasteful. Shouldn't care about all these details. That's wasteful. Why would you do so much for God? That's wasteful. You know what's funny to me? The people that cry waste are the ones that are wasting the things that matter the most. Do you know who accused Mary of being wasteful? Judas. Do you know what Jesus called Judas in John 17? The son of perdition. Do you know what perdition means? Literally, wasteful. How crazy is it? 
that he's the one that talked the other disciples into accusing an extravagant worshiper of waste. And Jesus goes, you know what the truth is? She wasted her very best on me, but you wasted your very best on yourself. I want to be very, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be nice today. But the truth is there's only two types of wasting. There's lives that are wasted on you, and there's lives that are wasted on God. You choose where you waste your worship. I choose where I waste, are you hearing me today, my worship. But I want to be very honest with you. My conviction is we will be a church that gives our very best, that gives our burdens and our blessings at the feet of Jesus, and we will be an extravagantly worshipful church. If you believe it, hop up to your feet. Come on, give them 10 seconds of crazy praise. Remind yourself you are an extravagant worshiper. We're not giving leftovers. We're not giving what we don't want. We're not giving what we don't need. We're going to give God our very, 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 very best. Most people never worship because they're embarrassed because of rationalizing things. I can't justify raising my hands. I can't justify raising my voice. I can't justify giving money when I need money. I can't justify getting my kids involved in Sunday school. I can't justify bringing my kids to youth, youth, uh, youth ministry on Sunday nights. It's wasteful. I'm telling you that you will waste on something else what you don't intentionally waste on God. I'm giving God my 30s. And when I'm done giving God all of my 30s, wasting my 30s on God, I'm going to waste my 40s on God. And then when I get into my 50s, I'm going to waste my 50s on God. And when I get, are you hearing me today? When I get into my, you better look out when I'm 60s. I'm going to waste my 60s on Jesus. I'm going to waste my 70s on Jesus. Some of you are like, when I get old, I'll give my life to God. Why would you wait to waste on God what you're already wasting today on yourself? Discover the joy in finding the value of God. Why is he valuable? Because he takes care of our blessing, takes care of our burdens, and he takes care, he's worthy of our best. It's the feet of Jesus, we discover the value of Jesus. If you believe, are you hearing me today? Is this coming through all right? I know this is a little bit of a kind of clickbait title, Wasteful Worship. But what I'm trying to say is we're going to be an extravagant worshiping church. We're going to be over generous in our praise to God. It means that we're going to be elaborate in our offering and our admiration to Him. Our worship is to be over and above reasonable limits previously established. Can I repeat that again? Our worship is to be over and above the reasonable limits previously established. I believe revival is when the church catches fire and loves to read the Bible, it loves to pray and it loves to worship. Show me a church that's, that does three of those things well, and I'll show you a church that changes the smell of the city. I love the word, I love to pray, I love to worship. Come on, close your eyes all over the tents today. If you're online, just ask this question, Lord. Try it out, say it, Lord. That was a secret way of saying it. Come on, say it, Lord, speak to me today. I believe you'll open your heart to him, he'll speak to you. How many would say, Mark, to be honest with you, I don't know if I've ever really valued worship, whether it's singing, giving, serving, coming to church, whatever it is, because I've never really decided to like really go, God, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're, you're above me. You're smarter than me. You're better than me. Today, I want to put God at the helm of my life, at the forefront, the driver's seat of my existence. Today, would you pray for me, Mark? that today I would see the value of Jesus, why he's worthy to be lived for, why he's worthy to surrender my dreams to him, my hopes to him. Oftentimes God doesn't kill the dreams that we give him, but he will resurrect, he'll resurrect them in his timing. How many believe, anyone in Orange County know that to be true that God's worthy of our best? If you think God is worthy of your very best, give him like, come on, 10 seconds. People need to know. People need to know that he's worthy of our best. 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 Come on, he's worthy of our best. We're to worship just a second here, but you're here and you say, Mark, I want to know the value of God so I can live my life as a worshiper of God. 
If you're here today and you've never known God in a personal way or being honest, you say, Mark, I've been kind of living around God but not living for God. You might believe that he's real, but you're not living for him. You're not obeying his voice. Can I tell you, Judas' mistake was, it wasn't that he wasn't around Jesus. He spent three and a half years around Jesus. It wasn't that he didn't have power. He did miracles. He saw signs. He saw wonders. Where did Judas go off track? He didn't let who Jesus was impact his worship. And he didn't obey the voice of God and the word of God. If you're here today, I'm not asking if you haven't been to church. I'm asking, are you living for Jesus? as a worshiper you want to give your life back to God or for the first time put your faith in Jesus eyes closed heads bowed I am not embarrassing anybody but I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands no one's looking eyes closed heads bowed I want you to raise your hand I'll give you three seconds right now to raise your hands in Jesus Christ's name in Jesus Christ's name let him not miss this moment I'm giving my life back to God you start putting your hands up I love it keep it up for me I'm gonna count to three one all over the tents today I pray that God there'd be a wave of awakening two I pray that this would be the day that we go all in not part way in three real high real high real high real high six seven eight nine real high ten eleven real high twelve real high thirteen real high keep it up keep it up keep it up keep it up fourteen 14, 15, real high, 15 hands, awesome. If you're online right now, I don't care if you're watching this in 2030. I don't care if it's been a decade since I preached this message. If God is speaking to your heart, I want you to just write heart, H-E-A-R-T in the comment section. Or I want you to put your hand on your heart right now. And all over the room and all over online, we're going to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I invite you to be the Lord, the Savior, the King of my life. I fall at your feet and I give you my future. I've never asked anybody to do this before, I don't think. But if you're one of those 15 people or if you're watching online, I just want you to take, if you could, either sit in your seat if you can't physically get on your knees. But if you can, take a knee or, or, or get on two knees where you are, just kind of bow in your seat. I know it's a bit of a demonstrative act but I really felt like the Lord is saying right now, if you'll give me a full surrender, I'll show you my goodness. I'll, I'll come and I'll pull you all the way out of the darkness. I'll bring you all the way into my kingdom. There's people bowing, just take a knee, take a knee. Yeah, that's awesome, take a knee or grab a seat. And we're gonna pray with these 15 people. I see them bowing all over the room. Awesome, 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 awesome. Come on, give them a hand clap. Reinforce, that's a good decision. That's a God decision today. Awesome. We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to sing a song. We'll be out of here in five minutes. Watch. Those people that, that, are, that are kneeled or sitting right now, I want you to pray with the rest of Ocean's Church. <clears throat> I heard a story of a college girl. I think she goes here now. <clears throat> but she gave her life to Jesus when she lived in Washington. Her sister shared the message. She watched it in her dorm room. And literally at this part of the service in Washington about a year ago, she literally got out of her, 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 her office desk fell underneath her desk and laid on the ground and prayed this prayer and it changed her life she lives here now goes to our church but gave her heart to jesus in washington in college she goes here now so if you're watching let's get on the ground get, take a knee or sit down where you're at let's pray this prayer with all those that are praying today say jesus we invite you into our heart come in today evict the darkness and fill us with the Spirit of God. I declare Jesus Christ is the leader, the Lord, and the CEO of my life. Be my friend that sticks closer than a brother. Guide me and heal me from this day forward. My heart is yours. Make me a worshiper. In Jesus' name. So good. One more time, give those 15 plus people a hand clap today. You can stand to your feet. That's awesome. What a day to get right with God. So watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do two things. We're going to sing a song. We'll be out of here. Watch this. If you're here today and you need a healing in your body, healing in your body physically or mentally, lift your hands. Put it up. Put it down. Awesome. Need healing. Or you're here today and you need a, uh, there's an addiction. I don't care if it's food, I don't care if it's sexual, I don't care if it's you know pornography or if it's drugs, whatever it is, if today you want to get free, I'm going to have you raise your hands in just a second as well, okay? 
So today, addictions and healings are going to take place. So I'm not going to embarrass you. So I'm going to say if it's healing or if it's an addiction, I just want you to raise your hands right now. Just go ahead and raise your hands all over the tents. Healing or addictions, being broken. Both camps. Doesn't make you weird. It makes you honest. Makes you honest. We all need prayer sometimes. I've raised my hands to this before, okay? So just lay, raise your hands. And if, if, if you could, just close your eyes. Put your hands up like this, like you're going to receive a gift. And then close your eyes. The Bible says we lay hands on those that are sick or struggling, and they will recover. So if your hands aren't up right now, I would love it if you open your eyes and just find someone next to you that has their hand up. Put your hand on their shoulder. We're going to believe right now that healing is going to flow in God's house. We're going to bring our burdens. We're going to see the blessing, and we're going to give God our best today. You ready to go? All over the tents, online, put your hand on your, on your body. Pray this prayer, Oceans Church. Say, in Jesus' name. Say it with some faith. In Jesus' name, we command sickness and darkness to go now. In Jesus' name, we curse cancer. We evict darkness and demons. In Jesus Christ's name, Spirit of God, heal, save, redeem, and restore. Do miracles in their body, their mind, and their life now in Jesus name and the believers said amen and the believers said amen come on give him 10 seconds of crazy praise let's sing this one time sing this one time he's here
say you can have it all. Is there any extravagant worshipers in Ocean's Church now? Come on, where's my extravagant worshipers at? Is there anybody willing to give God some wasteful worship? Give you my very best today. I pray, I prophesy actually over this church that you would, be, you would be known in Ocean's Church as the God that is worthy of extravagant worship. I pray that we'd be extravagant in our generosity. I pray that we'd be extravagant with our service. I pray that we'd be extravagant with our faith. I pray we'd be extravagant on what we believe God is capable of doing. And right now, in Jesus' name, we release. We release uh, extravagant worship that would touch your heart. We release an extravagant worship that goes beyond touching a heart, but literally God fills a region with a new smell. And we ask you for an extravagant worship that would bless the world from this house. In Jesus' name. Hey, last thing we do today, can I do this? Bring it down just for a sec. I want to pray for Reed. I want to remind you, Ocean's Church, that about a year and three months ago, there was a man they said would not live, that he would die. His name was Iman. And you guys probably thought I was wasteful with some of my time and service, but there was about four or five weeks that every Sunday at the end of the service, I would stretch my hands towards the Kaiser, and I would tell our church, we're gonna pray for Iman right now. And we stretched forth our hands, and a man that was in a, in a coma for over 45 days with COVID, and they said, there's no way, this guy's not coming out. And I want to remind you that God did a miracle. They did a documentary. It just came out on Iman. It is a documented medical miracle. Don't tell me God doesn't honor wasteful worship. He hears it. So I want to pray for Reed right now. If you don't know Reed, Reed's one of our, one of the pillars in our church. Him and Shelly have been with us since the early days. He had a stroke about two or three weeks ago, had a brain bleed, and uh, lost feeling on one side of his face. He has clots in his leg right now. They, they're having a hard time putting him on like basically a blood thinner because the blood thinner that helps the clots hurts his brain bleed. And so they're in this really tricky situation. But how many know there's a great physician that knows what we need before we ask? So he's at a, is it Mission Hospital that he's at? So let's stretch with our hands this way. Is that right? Mission's Hospital this way. Does anybody have some faith here today that God could heal Reed? I would love a man of everyone in this room that just musters up every ounce of faith that you have. With your hands stretched out, just say, Jesus, we, we tie our faith in Jesus' name toward Reed's comings. I pray in Jesus Christ's name what you did for Iman you would do for Reed. Make Reed a case study of the miracle power of Jesus Christ. Bring feeling back, remove the blood clots, and add decades to his life. For the glory of Jesus Christ, and if you love God today and you believe it on credit, come on, give him a 10 second hand clap, like it's already done. Come on, like it's already done. Like it's already done. Give 10 more seconds of crazy praise. Like it's already done. I feel like there is a, I see God, there's like us here, but I see a circle of people around us that don't come to this church, but they know you. And I see a sphere around each one of us that God says, I am getting ready to bring in the people that are closest to you, the ones that have been denying me, the ones that have been running from me, the ones that have been devious and wicked, God says, I am gonna use you to fill the smell of your house and your sphere with a scent that's gonna lead them into the presence of Jesus. I want you to do this right now. We bought another tent because we heard the Lord say, make more room. We added another 100 and whatever chairs, 50 chairs. And I really feel like between now and December, there is a sphere that's around each one of us. I feel like the Lord's saying like, believe for at least one or two that have never come, that have never believed, that love you or know you, but have never known God. The next two months they're coming in. I see them, I prophesy, 
business partners, co-workers, next door neighbors, our kids, friends, we call them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I pray that between now and December, like everyone that calls Oceans Church home would have at least one story, at least one family or friend that they would say they gave back to God or they came to Jesus between October and December and it wrecked their whole household for the glory of God, for the goodness of God. If you believe God will do it, come on, on credit. Give one more good hand clap. I feel it today. He's doing something. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.